Hi, I'm Frankie Frayne, and I've been making movies since I was a kid. I've made three low-budget feature films of varying success, and I went to film school. Twice. For better or worse, I've developed a science for completing feature-length projects on pocket change, and it has a lot to do with the kinds of conversations you'll hear on this podcast with teachers, friends, and artists. You don't have to pay 40 grand a year for bad advice. This is Discount Film School. Welcome back to Discount Film School. Uh, I'm talking to Ben Fisher, uh, somebody who has been um, leads or something kind of like leads in my second two features. So he's kind of like part of a, a, a returning company for me. And uh, with everybody else that's been on this show, it was just it would be bullshit not to have him here. We haven't spoken a whole lot since uh, Sexually Frank wrapped, so you're going to have to forgive us if we just spend a bunch of time catching up. Catching up. Yeah. Um, but how are you, Ben? I'm great, Frankie. Um, yeah, it's been since we wrapped. Um, I think after afterwards we went out on the the street and there were just a bunch of like sort of strange people introducing themselves to you. Yeah, were you- <laughs> I had I had come from a play I was doing, and so I just kind of said you know, hey to you and Nina and sort of left. But yeah, that was the last time I saw you. That's right. It, it was at the Cinecink screening in New York in 2011. 2011. And uh, did you see the part where the guy asked to put his toe in my butt? I was there for that um, yeah. in real life. You know, here's the it, thing. He was a very aggressive um, film blogger, but that's <laughs> the world of indie film. He, you know, he was testing you. He was seeing if you were bullshitting or not. <laughs> that, that, that was the thing was like when I was younger, I was maybe a little bit more outlandish uh, uh-huh. or I would be like a little bit more excited to do something like that but i'm i've gotten older and i'm like not in the mood mm-hmm. um but i felt that i still had to do it to like kind of maintain yeah. some cred just to, yeah 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 that's what it sort of turned into i remember just we were all just kind of like dude what <laughs> <laughs> but then I, I have to ask myself i'm like who, why am i trying to prove myself to like um this drunken juror at a he, sex festival because he was gonna give you a review he said i'm not gonna review your film unless you let me stick my toe in your butt oh is that what he said that's exactly what happened oh that's why i did it yeah there's because yeah I'm, I'm not gonna miss out on free press the day man yeah. seize the day you got to take opportunities yeah, yeah definitely and then he did review it and um and he he really blew us so uh I, <laughs> That's right. And and then shortly after his um his website just went completely down. So fuck that. <laughs> so um uh, if anybody doesn't know, uh, if anybody cuz some people listen to this podcast but don't necessarily watch our stuff or they haven't watched our stuff yet. Um so Ben played uh a main one of the main characters in Abo the Hue Monkey back in we shot that in 07. I think we even finished it in 07. And he played the character of Willie and then in Sexually Frank, he played the character of Matt, um, which, again, was kind of, in, I would say, the main uh, five characters. But uh, you'll remember that Sexually Frank, we shot that. We did everything with you in one weekend. Yeah. Um, what was I doing then? Well, you were in New York, and so it was just a pain in the butt. Yeah, but I was also, I, I forget what I was. I was in production for something. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, we only had those that it was a weekend yeah and i came to um boston and that one that i mean you're you approached me and you said you're gonna be playing john ryan's boyfriend and i sort of said what you said you had to ugly yourself up to do it I uh, yeah, yeah that was i was like 
<laughs> oh, I love that kid. You were but, right, though. You were that, at, that was my first reaction. I was like, Frankie, <laughs> make me so ugly. <laughs> so he was on. He was on the show, and we talked about. We talked for a while about his comfort level uh, because he he's heterosexual and played a gay guy, and he's never done that before. And he it was kind of like I I, I knew what I was doing when I cast him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew that it was a weird fit and that's exactly kind of what I was looking for for the character and for the movie. But he said that, um, because he had acted with you a number of times prior, um, like there's no way he could have gotten through that if it hadn't been somebody like you or somebody that he was already comfortable with. Uh, and that's why like without using names, there were other people that were going to be in the movie that ended up like not showing up that he was just like, I don't know how the fuck I'm going to do any of this. Uh. (laughs) Um, but anyway, so uh, uh, people can probably hear on commentaries, and I mean, we've over-documented uh, uh, how we met at Cannibal the Musical, and man, 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 we both went to Emerson, everybody knows that shit. And if you don't, go buy a fucking DVD. Don't don't come here for the free podcast. Come on, looking f- Looking for that shit. Um, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but what I, you know... My hope is always that uh, that these can be somewhat instructional as well as entertaining. And uh, you are, if we, which we found out about ten minutes ago, an actor's actor. He thought Ben didn't know this was audio only, and he was like, "Yeah, I'm, I think I'm available a little later on." And the truth was, he was setting up bookcases and shit behind him and soft lighting because he didn't get <laughs> the camera ready. Uh, <laughs> but, I want to have a pipe. I want to be like smoking. <laughs> Welcome to my study. Yeah, just just light masterpiece theater at all times. Yeah. Uh, did when did you? I mean, have you always been a performer? You strike me as that way. Yeah, um, I've been realizing more and more recently as I as I mature. Yeah. Uh, I I'm able to look back on my imagination in my childhood, and it's just. Uh, I've really traced a lot of my passion for imagining and creating worlds and existing in them and um, thinking just that way from my mom. From very early on, she would read, and she's a first-grade teacher. She just would light my imagination on fire, and she did the same for my brothers. And ever since then, yeah, I've been... Were there like specific books or something that you were like, oh my god, this is it? Or was it kind of just the environment that she raised you in? It was the environment just – yeah, because it was also movies she would let us watch. Last night I watched Death Becomes Her. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's like – that was a favorite from my childhood um, just in terms of it's, – it's melodrama and it's theater on film and it's – the stakes are so high and it's clowning. Yeah. Uh, so I was always sort of drawn to like sort of that type of – a character where I could just go for something who knows if it makes sense or not really when you're doing it. But as long as you're doing it and committing and with people that you can have fun with, then, you know, something's going to happen. It might not be your favorite end result, but you shouldn't be focused on that. And you're kind of, you're learning this at like age five, six, like the idea of committing and whatnot. Um, yes, I, I think those ideas were planted then. Just recently, though, as an adult and as an actor, I've allowed myself to commit more and more and more and more and more. Because I've always found that – I, like I've had – I have the same problem sometimes as a director is it, that, that level of commitment to what you're doing is is everything. There's been a number of times where I've, I've written something very um, – I don't know uh, – uh, 
off the beaten path or something really weird. And, and the only way anyone's going to go with you on it is if you believe in it 100%. And that means getting the actor to believe in it 100% or at least act like they are. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, just a stupid example is um, in Sexually Frank, there's that old guy who's making like internet videos of himself. Yeah. And it's it's meant to it's meant to be like, you know, he's doing this in his home. There is no self-consciousness because he's completely by himself. Maybe he has dogs in the other room or something. Um, it's just completely, completely unleashed. And it's it's so hard. Like, I feel like when I'm directing something like that, I'm like, well, you don't have to go too crazy. But no, you do. You do have to like, yeah. <laughs> I need you to completely believe in this stupidity I've written. And I. Uh, Every every subsequent film I feel like since the beginning has been like I I really uh I need to not hold back in any kind of way and I I, I have to imagine for a performer that's everything. Yeah. Yeah. So did you um so you also mentioned your brother was he is he an actor as well or is he a creative type? I have two brothers. Um, the younger is just. Yeah, he's an absolute clown. He's like Christopher Lloyd in Back to the Future. <laughs> really? A, a younger a, brother who's like a scientist. <laughs> yeah. No, he's not that he's a scientist. He's like <laughs> he's all he's coaching soccer and he um is working with a a team that's hopefully going to go pro doing like outreach and um sort of I guess like youth soccer days programming with them i don't i don't know he he's better with explaining things yeah <laughs> what, about then, the, what about the other one yeah my older brother's a um he works with roofing and decking and landscaping and anything with his hands and tools he can figure out so we're all very creative in different ways problem solving problem maybe i think we might be problems though (laughs) (laughs) um so you uh so you feel like your mom is kind of the the catalyst for a lot of this and um yeah and then you know do you i was in like throughout probably second to fifth grade i don't know six or seven school plays uh that was like a big breeding ground of like ooh feedback you know Mm -hmm. ooh an audience Mm -hmm. absolutely um that's a big part of it too. A part of the personality I think that makes a creative type is that they feel that feedback and they get a high off of it and they say like, Oh, someone's laughing at me. Like I'm funny. I should keep going. Yeah. 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 You know? And it's the feedback that the feedback is a need for that type of, you know, child, a creative child. I remember when I like first started fucking around with, um, stop motion animation, uh, I, you know, I had my parents camcorder and it, it started, it turned into animation turned very quickly into just like basic filmmaking, but pretty much every school project that could be a video became a video. Mm-hmm. And, and it was, I mean, it was all just a big excuse to make movies. And it's really fun to look back on what I made because I, like I would have flunked me. I mean, it just was so completely unrelated to anything academic, but it yeah. was, it was, it, I, I think it had just as much to do with. <laughs> Like you, you'd think it's like, well, the reason you made a video was because you loved making videos, so you wanted to turn it into that. But I think it had just as much to do with the fact that I knew that once I finished it, I was going to have to bring it into school, put it up on the TV, and I would have an, you know, a, a, an audience that was sitting down watching it. Yeah. That, that was just as. Now that I'm out of school, you know, I I got the my MFA, 
I would say that's probably the thing I miss the most. I mean, the internet's fantastic for getting stuff up there and trying to share it on Facebook and whatnot, but there's nothing beats like checking in every week with a group of people and showing them stuff and getting that immediate feedback. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I totally missed that. And I, I swear that's like what those school plays and shit are all about for a while is just kind of testing. Uh, I mean, of course, there's an ego trip there, too, of of like uh, they, they love me. They really love me. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 there, there's that feedback is so crucial. That's what makes us. Yeah. <laughs> did, did you did you. um so were you in all that kind of stuff? Like, were you know, were, did you already start to think like, did you already uh, admire actors or not? Yes. <laughs> I, um, y- yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, well, as a kid too, um, you know, I was cast as we had my kindergarten play was an operatic narrated version of the three piggies, the mm. three pigs. Yeah. And I was um, the narrator. And I think that had to do with also like my my passion, but also like sort of a need for creative control. Maybe to be like the the mediator or the facilitator or the narrator. Yeah, maybe I'm just <laughs> reading into the way I was cast in kindergarten. But um. <laughs> I remember they came they came up to me they, and were like, "Can you be Christmas tree number one?" Yeah, and I was like, "Holy fuck, they love me." Hey. Okay. <laughs> um. Yes, <laughs> that was back before. Because like when you're when you're talking that young, like kindergarten, you don't audition. They no, yeah. uh, they just come up to like they're like who who seems to be the outgoing kids, and they ask the outgoing kids if they could be in a play. I don't know if that's how they did it in other schools. That's how they did it. In mine. No, I think that's that's exactly how it was. And then, um, yeah, I sort of did. I started doing a lot more in middle school. Mm. Um. So it was sort of like an early exposure thing. And then I loved movies and I loved Home Alone. I loved Macaulay Culkin. I, we used to run around the house and look into mirrors and scream like that. Why? What, what was it about Macaulay? I mean, you look back at that performance and it was abs- it was clowning. Like I was saying before, it was yeah. an absolute character, Kevin McAllister. Like he's my family still talks about him. <laughs> I know. I've, I mean, I, I could probably just sit here on this podcast and do every single line from that movie. I don't know why that movie captured all of our imaginations, but maybe you're right. Maybe it's just the, the sheer, a lot of, the a sheer lot boobery. Of movies from when we were growing up did that, though. Like, you know, they were just all of this um, computer graphic stuff was just sort of starting to be integrated. And yeah, it was a, it was a neat time in movies. Yeah, uh, and and I also think that it was like, I don't know if kids now love their movies as much as we did. And here's what I mean by that is, th- you know, I had probably, I don't know, 25 movies on home video. And, you know, you, you your, your taste was comprised of whatever your parents went out and bought for you in a lot of ways. Um, like whatever your home video collection kind of already was is what you watched. And so you developed a taste for all of those movies and you watched them over and over again just because you enjoyed watching movies. And um, and so you kind of savored them more. You saw a lot less stuff, but you savored them more. And I, I wonder if now, I mean, there's like two, sometimes three huge budget, huge culturally impacting movies that come out a week. Uh, it's all extremely available to watch by everybody from like the youngest people. Uh, I wonder, you know, I, I wonder if it does have a blurring effect where, where you... 
you know, like how many, you know, this new Star Trek movie came out this week. I mean, how many times are people going to watch that Star Trek movie? Maybe once, maybe twice. Uh, I feel like that's the kind of movie, though, when I was a kid, I would have watched that like 80 times and known every single word. Well, because it's going to be awesome. But yeah, we're going to be bombarded with more things coming out. Yeah. And you're going to see it the once, be like, that was awesome. And then you're done. Yeah. And then you're, that's how I felt about like Avatar. When I saw Avatar in 3D, I was like, I was like, oh my God, like 25 years from now, they're going to have, and maybe they will, (laughs) but they're going to have like a reunion screening of this man, like right here in Lincoln Center. And we're all going to get these 3D glasses, man. It's going to be like 2011 again. Yeah. And maybe with that movie, it will, because it it has that, it has that shot of like, because it made the most money of all time. Like that's, that's its distinction. But, you know, I, I do something, I worry about that with like, when I make a film, you know, I'm not making an Iron Man movie. I'm making something personal, even if it is about a Hugh monkey or whatever, but I'm, I'm, I'm looking to, I'm looking, (laughs) I'm looking to make something that people will want to watch many times or that, that, you know, it would be a, a very small a very small few people, it might even be their favorite movie or one of their favorite movies. So I, I, you know, I worry about that where I'm like, why would I spend two, three years working on something to be watched once and get pat on the head one time and then move on? I have to tell you something that since we, you know, listeners, we haven't seen each other. Yeah. Um, since 2011, since then I got stopped in the street in New York by this guy that, um, he was like, you were in that movie about that ape kid. You're kidding. No, I'm not kidding. <laughs> this kid stopped me and he's like, he's like, that movie was awesome. And he's like, he's like, whoa. And I was just, I look at the kid, I look at the kid and I'm like, you're weird. Like I said that to him. I was like, you saw that. <laughs> Who the fuck was he? Do you have any clue? I have no clue. Who he was. <laughs> but I was just like, I mean, it made me laugh. Because I was like, I, you know, it's when I describe that move, when people ask me, like, what have I done film wise? And when I talk about Abo, I just, you know, I say, like, it's like a, it was made to be like a D list cult movie. Right. And like, whatever that might be. But that's what people are, you know, with, those are the types of people that see it and that get it and appreciate it. Yeah. It's definitely. We not- did what we could with so little. Right. I remember something that, like, will, uh, will probably stay with me for a long, long time. As I remember, uh, you know, so I, I obviously was a film student at Emerson and, um, even with my closest friends who, who, who I, I wished the best for, and I definitely wish the best for now. Um, th- th- there was probably some playful competition or, or at least like met when you're age 18, 19, 20, you're, you're, you're doing this kind of measuring up all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I, I, I remember, uh, uh, you know, Eventually, those people ended up becoming collaborators, and a lot of them, like Jake Emanuel, they became they became part of Avo the Human Monkey. Jake was the main, one of the main characters. How is he? He's great. I mean, he's um, he and like Kurt. I was thinking about some of these weirdos the other day. <laughs> well, Kurt will be Kurt will be on this podcast soon. Jake, um, Jake and Willie are doing tremendously. They uh, they they signed with CAA, and they're doing yeah. the they're writing the big budget version of The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Boom. Yeah, they're like... Uh, Which could be, could be a sequel to Abo. It's a hunchback. <laughs> why the fuck didn't I think about that? I could totally, yeah, I could I could go peddle my wares in Hollywood and be like, we can tie this in, bitches. Dude, yeah, you've got to make a sequel. <laughs> we, we can start handing out SAG cards with this thing. Um, I can, like Esmer, Relda, 
the tranny. I don't know. <laughs> well, I always had some ridiculous <laughs> ridiculous ideas for Avo sequels. Well, ones that would involve killing Bonnie in the first minute or so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, How is uh I don't want to say. Uh yeah, without using name. I I have no fucking idea. The 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 truth is, um we finished the movie and I sent her a copy. Uh-huh. And I never heard from her again. Okay. <laughs> that is the, that is the truth. I don't know if maybe there was a, a certain part of the script that they didn't quite understand what it meant or 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 what, but we um something was lost in translation from an American accent to an English accent. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was like I think we have a language barrier. Yeah. Or if you remember, it, it was just a dialect barrier. If you remember, maybe even an odor barrier. Um <laughs> But anyway, what was I saying about? Oh, right. Uh, the thing that I'll never forget. Um, it was like maybe senior week or it was, it was towards the end of college. And I was hanging out with Jake. And I said, look, like I've always been kind of like self-conscious about what you think of Abo or if you thought it was worth your time or anything like that. I said, what, did you, what, what did you think of that movie? G- give me the, the, the honest truth. And he goes, well, Frankster. <laughs> um, he goes, everybody wants to make it to the fucking moon. No, I'm like, wait a minute, what's he talking about? He's oh, like... God, he's such a living legend. He's like, we all want to go to the fucking moon. <laughs> and most people need to save up a lot of money to get a fucking rocket so they can go to the moon. <laughs> but you took us to the moon in a cardboard box. But we got there. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's, that, was his, that was his opinion. It was like, hey, you made a feature movie. You did it in a cardboard box, but so I was like, "Well, I guess that's a compliment." <laughs> that your impression of him was boom. <laughs> that's my yeah. Boom. Th- that that that's eight years in the making. That impression. That's a that's great. <laughs> now that's something funny. I've always like that's sort of my uh, my approach to making Abo. I remember you said you're going to be playing like real life Willie Block. Yeah. I had never really met him. <laughs> right. I, so, I I put you in the I, same room like, as him on the day of the audition. I like you showed me maybe a picture and I was like, oh yeah, him. And so then that's just sort of what I was able to go with for the character of Willie in the movie. I don't know but. if you're, I don't know if you remember, but the, the whole thing was that Willie was going to play himself. Cause I, I'm just that uncreative. Yeah. And, um, and it was, it was Kurt who, who had been kind of, um, uh, whipping me on a lot of f- the finer points of the script and of the production. Um, and I, I was probably an asshole about it. I was probably like, "What the fuck does he know? He's never made a feature film." Yeah. But he he was like, uh, "You should get. You know who you should get? Ben Fisher." And by that point, we had been in um, Cannibal together, so we already knew each other. We worked well together. We were already Wait, almost in sort of. That? Oh, Kurt! Kroger. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was Kurt. Oh my god. And yeah, I, your impression of Kurt isn't as good. <laughs> I agreed. But I, I put that in the back of my mind. Uh, I was like, "Yeah, whatever." And then it was only because I posted other roles on New England film and you had been watching that, which I thought was really interesting by the way that Emerson acting students were looking at this external site for acting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I used to try to do that. (laughs) Well, I've got, I, I, I've kept that in mind and I I think that that's continued to be the case and I, I work in it there now. And so I started to think like, maybe there's a way to, you know, if they're going to these external sites just to find uh, like Emerson students, like if they're going outside Emerson to find uh, other Emerson students, we should really make something like New England Film internal to Emerson, the exclusive to Emerson. Uh-huh. Because people like you and John and, and various others, um, like I think you guys were the best actors I've ever worked with and you were Emerson bred. 
Um, so I, I, I don't know if I should attribute your talents to Emerson or not, but it seems to be a, a better, you know, you, you had to be vetted and whatnot. So, uh, yeah. were you, wait a minute, were you in musical theater or not? No, I was, um, I came in as a BFA actor. Yeah. And then, um, come time for, they have a re-audition, a cut process. Mm. And by then I, I had done a lot of musicals, musical work the first few years. Cause that's sort of what I, the people I met first were musical theater. Um, so I sort of got a little sucked into that and away from like plays and film thinking about them even. And by the time that uh, cut process came, I did, I wound up, you know, auditioning to stay in the studio, even though my heart wasn't really set on it. And I sort of wanted to like go rediscover some other things like LA and go to LA, do that program. Right. Which we did together. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I graduated as a BA, um, theater studies with an emphasis in acting. And then I had a secondary emphasis in creative writing. Oh, I see. So you had to, even though it wasn't musical theater, you still had, if you, if it was a BFA program, you had to audition to get into it, right? Yeah. You had to audition to get into Emerson and then you had to re-audition. You're going into your junior year. Was it a big, was it a big deal for you when you got in? Um, at the time I, I wanted it. Yeah. And I, I had auditioned at some other schools. I had visited Emerson's campus and I felt great there. So yeah, I was excited when I got in and I think like, I think I let some of the statistics or whatever get to my head and I probably, um, I probably exaggerated them a little in my own mind, but I was like, 30,000 people auditioned for one of my 26 slots. <laughs> yeah, like, of course. Cause that's, I mean, that's what the big, the bigger schools do is they like create this competition between them when it's really just about like, what is the right fit for you? Right. And, um, yeah, I think, I think I got into Emerson because I was more liberally, liberally artedly inclined. Oh, I see. Like, because you were also a writer and... and, Yeah, I was also a little more of a thinker than a studio actor. Like, I wasn't that focused about it. Yeah. Yeah, and they're they're always... Emerson has straddled the line, I think, between um, uh, having people who are studying just to become actors in Hollywood or in New York, like, you know, completely almost trade-based versus like they, I I think they're looking for, yeah. I mean, a lot of the appeal is that it's a four year liberal arts degree for something that's, that's almost kind of like a trade, like, like acting or filmmaking. Yeah. And that's what attracts a lot of people is they're like, well, I don't, you know, for some reason, two year degrees aren't really respected at all in this country. Uh So if, (laughs) if you get a good education in a small amount of time for not a lot of money, uh, you'll just not be respected for some reason. Yep. Yeah, that's a problem, but that's why we all wound up going to a school like that. Yeah, yeah. It it, it really kind of um, – That was a generational up. thing. That didn't happen to our parents, and I think it's changing. Yeah, I agree. Um, <laughs> it's going to have to. I mean, it, it just – how, how can you how can you have an economy of young people in in that kind of debt with no job prospects? Yeah. It's just like it's bad math. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so so you get in and um, 
uh, what, tell me about the like the acting climate. I mean, John said that it was there, like he was in musical theater. He was like, I, I was literally afraid of how of how scary people were. Like these were like weird, scary people. Some of them uh, huh. tr- truly crazy. He said, um, probably yeah. <laughs> but everyone is everyone was extremely creative and extremely. Um, insecure. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. That's what creates those environments. But, and it's sort of like tear for me, I came out of, um, four years and just wasn't really able to breathe when I would be auditioning. I wasn't, I was just like so contained and so like insecure, <laughs> you know, you mean like th- uh, a- after you graduated from Emerson or throughout? After, I think more after, I don't know. What bred that insecurity? Just, I think there was a lot of um, competition. Yeah, of course. It's a saturated field. I was prepared for the competitive nature of actual New York. <laughs> Um, yeah, so you were you went to the LA program, and then uh, we actually went at the same time, and then um, and then you, did you go straight to New York from there? Was that your plan? And and how did you decide on doing that? Yeah, I was about to stay in Los Angeles. Actually, I was looking at an apartment with um, a friend, Gray Malin, of mine, mm-hmm. um, and I sort of like backed. I feel like we were about to sign, and I like panicked, and I was like, Gray. I have to move back east. I, I, it's not right for me. I just had like that moment of panic where like I was being pulled back like it was magnetic to go to New York, go to New York, go to New York. And so I sort of backed out of um, – we hadn't signed yet. I'm not that shitty. Yeah. And he would have probably been mad at me if I had actually done that. But he understood. He said – he was like, go back. Of course. I'll miss you, but go. Yeah. Um, and – so that's yeah, that's how I came to New York. And in between, I moved home with my parents and tried to save money and tried to get health insurance. Um, <laughs> that was not that was not enough. I, I wanted to be here, and I sort of defiantly moved one day. They said they said stay stay home, save some more money. Um, and I was like, I'm going to New York. <laughs> and I, I like came in and found the shittiest sublet. It was just disgusting. Where was it? It was in Williamsburg, actually like a really great, great area now of Williamsburg. And then I think I was just a little taken aback by um, the, like it wasn't Boston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, and it wasn't like suburban Connecticut. Right. So. Now you grew up, you you grew up in suburban Connecticut, right? Yeah, but not like Stepford. Yeah, no, no, no. It was more like back like I grew up in a log house on a dirt road with trees all around like it was very like L.L. Bean (laughs) (laughs) did you uh did you frequent New York I mean like was New York kind of did New York feel like home to some extent is that kind of what the pull was yeah in a lot of ways it just it well felt closer to home definitely and it felt accessible and we'd come in a lot um when I was growing up we'd come see shows and do like Rockefeller tree see things like that we'd come in a lot yeah yeah so you were uh so i guess if, if you're gonna move to if you're an actor 
um, and you're going to move to New York in hopes of of at least health insurance, um, and at most a lot more. <laughs> um, do you? I mean, are are you putting a lot of your eggs in the stage acting basket, or do you expect to get some film too? It can all be done here. Really? Yeah, I'm I'm doing more and more of everything. Because uh, I mean, I I know that like when I think New York acting, I think I think Broadway, I think stage. There's also a huge, huge theater scene that's not commercial Broadway. Yeah, of course. Yep. And there's um, there are brilliant, brilliant young directors studying at Columbia and NYU and others. I, those are the only two I've had experiences with. Um, but these young young just brilliant brilliant directors to work with um uh, film a, are you talking about, are you talking about film directors or stage directors or both film and stage i've yeah. yeah i've worked with some just really innovative smart students how do you how do you navigate i mean if you know let's say somebody you know up and moved to new york and is looking for Looking for acting gigs. Um, are there online resources? Is that like where do you go just to start? Absolutely. Yeah, you have to put your materials out online, and there's there's a lot of um, scams, a lot of like pyramid scheme yeah. operations, I'd say, happening. But you have to use um, resources that feel right. I don't want to name any. I don't want to get anyone in trouble. No, no, that, that's totally <laughs> or I don't fine. Want to promote, I don't want to promote anything because I've done like what felt right to me. Yeah. Um, and what's given me a really nice um, growth pattern. I remember, uh, you, uh, you might remember Maya was in um, Sexually Frank. She played Sarah. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, she's she's New York based now. And, um, and, and, and if nothing else, she's pretty, pretty aggressively tenacious um in terms of looking for opportunities and she she was telling me about i i I can't remember the specifics but there was there was some what turned out to be a bullshit opportunity um it was one of those like uh uh you know a list actor is um heading up some production and it was I, i think it was like um um pay pay that production to to get a SAG card or to be on set or something. It was basically like pay to do it, and it turned out to be complete bullshit, and, and they were reported to the Better Business Bureau and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, you can't – I mean you've got to be – you've got to put yourself out there, but you can't trust things like that. The, the piece of advice I've always heard is like never um, – and I – in the case of Abo, uh, I, I totally did this. Um, I hired a producer's rep who, who um, you know, for an embarrassing amount of money, uh, who never found a home for the movie. They pretty much were like, we can we can find a home for your movie. That's what we do. Do they uh, still own the rights to it? No. I mean, this was – they're not a distributor. They're a producer. Okay. They're a producer's rep. So what they, their job is to – you hire them to – because they have the ability or they have the in or whatever yeah. to um, – to get your movie to the right people and to find you a distributor. And then they take a, a, a cut. So there is enough. And, and not all of these there's are some scams. incentive, but there's not enough for yeah. yeah. So that's why they need their, their, um, uh, I can't remember what they call it, but it's basically an upfront fee. You hire them. Um, uh, it's not all percentage based and they, 
they're not all scams, all producers reps. Um, there, there, there's, you know, there, there are huge producers reps who have done amazing things for independent filmmakers, but, um, in this fucking climate with distribution being what it is and DVD completely going in the toilet and nobody wanting DVD anymore and whatnot. I mean, I just can't, the, the, the piece of advice I was always given was, um, for representation, never, never do anything except for percentage of sales. Um, anything else is probably a bad idea. And I, I, I think I would still go with that. Yeah, I mean, actor, actors. I'm sure. Like, I'm. I'm sure people are trying to take advantage, um, especially of desperation. Um, yeah, there's a lot of. It's it's called pay to play in New York. Yep. And it's a reality. That's that's a way that you can meet people. But um, yeah, sometimes you just have to say enough is enough. I'm not gonna like waste money. Yeah, I can when I can focus on meeting people like this in a real setting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Just about yeah, shifting your focus to what's best, what's going to be best for you. Weren't you in a? You've you've been in a number of productions, um, definitely since Sexually Frank. But what what are some of the highlights? Oh boy, oh boy, it's been a yeah, it's been a good a good two years. I'd say, like I said before, just getting the chance to work with some of these young directors um, in the theater world and in the film world mm. um, in New York. And then also, of course, I've been doing a ch- uh, children's yoga show I'm involved with that I've gotten to travel a bunch with and just meet kids all over the world who are interested and laughter and friendship. <laughs> <laughs> so what, you, you travel to do this? Yeah, that's, that's an, ongoing, um, an ongoing job and just so, so rewarding and so fun. Where's the coolest place that it's brought you? We are going back. Oh, I can't, don't know if I can say that. Okay. Um, we've been to Vancouver, um, the White House, which is pretty cool. Wow. And Dubai. Can you describe the production? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, it's I don't I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for talking about it. Really, you can't even like say nice things about it. It's it's a wonderful yeah it's a wonderful interactive theater production where um, the children are made you know a part of the world and the world doesn't exist and they don't learn without interacting thriving and dealing with their worries and stress and so the ch- so the children are the audience you're the performers and they there's a lot of interactivity correct yeah okay yeah. um and then what else there's there's a what, what what about like just traditional stage productions anything cool a bunch yeah i'm actually right now in rehearsal for a production of gross indecency i'm in um we did it last year and we got picked up to be a part of um, a festival production and it's just yeah it's a it's a really different type of acting for me it's there's it's not comedy it's not like clowning it's not yeah sort of gimmicky thing which i i do and i do well it's just it's a um i mean it's about oscar wilde's fall from grace and being put on trial for um, sodomizing 
and really just pissing off the upper classes with his wit in England. When was that? Was that last year? Yeah, we did that last year. And so I'm in rehearsal right now. We open May 30th. Mm-hmm. I, I've, uh, I've done something here on my computer. You've done what? I, I've brought up your uh, IMDb page. Oh, God. <laughs> and uh, uh, you sip out of my Nalgene. We're we're gonna go through this. Okay, yeah. There's some there's some lies on there. Really? Okay. So let that's where this will be the document um, where we'll clear up the lies. Right, let's set the record straight on my IMDb page. Okay. <laughs> let's do this also, thing. On Viber, it says that I was born in 1604. Where does it say that? On my Vi- you know Viber, it's like a Skype like thing. You can talk to people when they're out of the country. Oh. On my profile, because like they've shared it from whoever, it says birthday. It says May eighth, sixteen oh four. Classical actor Ben Fisher of sixteen oh four. Extremely classical. So um, you can never, yeah. The inter- they like share information and stuff. All these sites and there's just outrageous, outrageous misconstrued information out there. So the first thing I'm going to say is that you keep a nice IMDb page. Thank you. <laughs> you've got you've got a nice headshot there. Uh, <laughs> when did you take that? That was um, maybe like a year and a half ago, taken by Alex Fisher. Right. You know Alex Fisher. I Remember? do. Yeah. He and Camille are getting married soon. Oh, really? Yeah. Holy moly. Congrats, you guys. Yeah, congrats. <laughs> and then we have... Um, we have a number of so I remember when I first got my IMDb page. It was before you could get like now. I think the way it works is you you pay for a yearly membership, and with that comes a certain amount of photos you're allowed to up, uh, upload. When All I right. first started, it was thirty five dollars per photo you uploaded. That could be either the poster for your movie or wow. any pictures as an actor. Wow. That's still the case for posters of your movie. So every time you see a poster of a movie on an IMDb page, that's 35 bucks. And all three of my features have it because. Good. Yeah, it's worth it. Yeah, I'm a completist in that way. But I don't, I haven't posted any photos. I would need it there. (laughs) I tried to scam it. I thought maybe, maybe what I can do is, uh, because I I uploaded this horrible picture. Oh, you were going to scan it as a picture? (laughs) No, I was going to scam with an M. Uh, Oh, (laughs) <laughs> the 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 entire institution of IMDb my like I was going to try to I have this awful picture of me uh as my IMDb profile page Isn't and that it, one with like your ponytail yeah it's horrible <laughs> and, and 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 I want to I want to replace it with something a little more up to date uh so I signed up for a trial membership uh-huh and I uh replaced it and I put up all these other great photos and I t- I had a Ben Fisher like IMDb page and then uh, I was like, but I'm not going to pay the money every year to do it. <clears throat> and so when the trial ran out, back to the ponytail. <laughs> oh, man. And so you can't get rid of the ponytail unless you pay every single year. I'm stuck with that fucking thing. I'd rather have no picture at all. Yeah. But, you know. I mean, that's why my – I mean, yeah. I had to put – I put that up myself because I was put on IMDb, I think, by you. Yeah, it was me. Or, actually, I was on there for a few different things at one point. And I had like then I sort of had to try to take control of it, and there's a bunch of other Ben Fishers too, that do like various things in the industry. Yeah, um, but you're the only one. When I just typed in Ben Fisher, you're the only one with a solid photo. Yeah, and I, I that's why I tried to I tried to put it up there to try to like 
consolidate what I have done. Right. But there are still things that other people have added that are not – like there's some film that I've never done. <laughs> there's All a few. right. So 2000 – I try to take control of it because I didn't want you know, misconstrued information. Exactly. Um, to this day, John Hunt um, is credited for having been on Hannity and Combs. Um, <laughs> which I'm pretty sure he has never been on there. Oh my god, he'd be great on it. He'd be great on it. He would. He would. He would. He would uh, bring the truth. Um, yeah. <laughs> so 2006, your first ever uh, IMDb worthy credit, Puppet College. You play a character named Mr. Bruce. Describe. Yes. yes. What? That's the, real. What is that? That is. Um, did you know? Do you know Mark Kramer, Mike Eleven? Uh, no. Emerson, they, um, they produced this in college. Maybe, I have no idea. What, what, 2006? So I was, God, I don't know, 20? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was 20. Um, that was, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was sort of like a, they were like, come in and just do this. And I was like, okay. And then I actually wound up doing a lot of voiceover on it too, um, in some apartment in Beacon Hill. But they, I think it was maybe Mark and Micah's. Were they living together? I don't know. You can watch all of Puppet College uh, on Amazon Watch instantly. I'm noticing. Oh dear. Uh, so I'm gonna have to dig dig in there and find you. Did have you incorporated any of the, those clips into your uh, reel? No, I have not. <laughs> well, what the fuck? All right, so moving. It was, it was like, uh, yeah, it was. I mean, if you're gonna watch it. <laughs> And then uh, an uncredited credit paradox, um, Harvard student in a in a piece called The Great Debaters, 2007. Yeah, that was extra work. Oh, it was just an so was that a, is that like a real movie? Yeah. Not that was, not that my movie's not a real movie, but, you know, it's not really. Yeah. No, that was that was extra work. Yeah. Okay. Like there's two, there's uncredited things that are extra work that I wish were not on there. Did you brush up against Denzel at all? It's a Denzel Washington movie. Yeah, we got to, I mean, I got to observe him directing two days in the same sweatpants, like the same sweatsuit. Really? He's, he's. I mean, can I swear on this? Yes. He's fucking cool. <laughs> oh, really? He's a cool guy? He's a fucking cool guy. Wow. Um, Did he interact directly with the extras or is that all the AD? No, I mean, he would actually give us like, try to set a tone. Mm. Which doesn't always happen. I mean, rarely happens. It's usually like PAs yelling when you do extra work because you're doing it just to see how a film set operates. Yeah, of course. You know, and if you're doing it for any other reason, <laughs> like just get get out of my face. Like that's how I felt. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know if you can in a in a union shoot like that. If you can get one line on camera, uh, there's your SAG card. Yeah, but don't go chasing no, after think, that. Yeah, that no, that can absolutely happen, and that's awesome. But that shouldn't be the reason that you're going into these things, because then you're going to look desperate, and it's going to be weird, and you're not going to be focused on actually observing and learning about the industry. Right, which is it's all you should really be just learning. I remember I was talking to uh, uh, one of our mutual friends, Matt McGorry, a few years ago. Yep, great. He, yeah, he, he he's, he's <laughs> yeah. really great, and he's. And he's one. He he's he's like you in as much as like his just his love for what he does, and his interest in learning more and more and more about it is the cause of his success. Um, it just kind of happens organically. And um, and he, I remember he was just we were chit chatting, and he was like, um, 
he's like, you know, I'm, I'm surrounded by a lot of actors who don't want to learn more about acting. Mm-hmm. And there's so much to learn. Yeah. Um, and maybe there's not a lot of appreciation given for that. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of reading to be done and there's a lot, you know, there's so much to do. I mean, the title of a book comes to mind that I have, I've regretfully not had a chance to read when you talk about that. And it's Uta Hagen's Respect for Acting. Mm-hmm. And again, it's like a book I've never read. I only know the title, but it is, you have to commit to change and to experience and learning. Right. And you, yeah. You, it's not, there's nothing stagnant about it. And what Matt was saying is, yeah, he doesn't understand actors who are unwilling to explore. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Abo the Hugh Monkey. Abo the Hugh Monkey. <laughs> Your first feature? Um, yeah. I, yeah. I, cause I wouldn't consider Puppet College a feature. Right. Did um, you, and it, I, it was only like a sort of a cameo and then some voiceover, a lot of voiceover work. We shot, I remember many weekends over the course of maybe five or four or five months. Do you remember it being kind of like a, a trying period or did you have fun through most of it? You can tell me the truth. I had, no, I had absolute fun and it, I, it was so spread out because I remember like I would get to points I'd be like, are we still filming this or not? <laughs> <laughs> like, we're still making that movie? And you'd be like, we're going to we're going to do another scene. And I'd be like, um, I just shaved my sideburns off. And you'd be like, that's cool. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds <laughs> like me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's we definitely have like uh, all my movies have hair continuity uh, problems. That's why by Sexually Frank, it was like we're shooting all your shit in a weekend and then you're done. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was, uh, well, as far as like being like, you know, kind of trying to roll with what people's hair is and whatnot, that, that's probably me feeling bad asking them to change their lives for my dumb movie. And then there's, all, although like people like, like you and John are, were always, and, and Jake too, everybody is all, like, was really amazing about it. They're like, oh, what, like it should look right. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, we, cause yeah, we cared. <laughs> and then it looks like another extra, uh, Opportunity twenty one. Yeah, you played a basketball player. I had to play basketball for eight hours. Does that come naturally to you? Uh, I just burped. Yeah, I played as a kid. I knew how to. I wasn't good. I actually would just like poke my dad and my brothers violently in the ribs and yell "bink" when we'd play in the driveway. Can I find you in that movie? If I watched that movie, would I like? Can I see? No, ben? I'm like a blur. Oh damn! What about uh, the Great Debaters? I've never seen it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, you gotta like gotta look for yourself. I'm gonna uh, I'm, I'm gonna download I'm gonna torrent both of those. I'm not supporting those movies, but I'll I'll uh, I'll torrent them and I will find you. I did. Do you know Blake File? Emerson student? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Blake. Well, he and I did extra work together on the Great Debaters, and we just we had the time of our lives because we. We weren't there for like there were we were surrounded by extras like intent on being discovered by Denzel and yeah. like in a line or something. <laughs> we just we were not having that at all. That was fun, but it, I've never seen it. Oh, too bad. <laughs> and then you were in a uh, uh, looks like a was either a TV series or a web series called Drama Queens with a Z. Uh, yep, that was like my that was like the first sort of like web. Drama D. Oh, really? Do you like it? Um, no. I it's not. I'm not. I'm not a fan of my work at all. 
in a lot of the early stuff. But then again, it's hard to watch yourself. But I was also like, I look back and I was just another thing. I was just very unprepared for it. You realize that you're like um, by far the everybody's favorite thing about Abo, right? You say that? No, yeah. it's 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 true. I mean, like you know, like you had a lesser role in Sexually Frank, so I don't hear that as much in that movie. But Abo, you are like, so well. The truth is, a lot of people had a problem with Jake's performance in that movie because it's very divisive, shall we say? It's a very over the top performance. And um, it's, it's and a, it's who Jake is, like Jake's, yeah. Oh. Frankster? <laughs> well, Frankster. Um, <laughs> yeah, he uh, so 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 he alienated people sometimes. So they said they were like, I liked watching Abo fall down, and I liked watching the guy in the in the uh, in the Long Johns. <laughs> um, yeah, no, you had a very it was it's for 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 a character who's in a lot of ways um, kind of uh, unappealing. Um, you know, because he's lazy or whatever the hell else. You 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 brought a lot of affection to the character, and to and and you you validated so many of his absolutely ridiculous um, concerns. There's there's a scene, obviously. You and I used to laugh at this all the time because I used to. It's a scene where you're crying outside the window, right? And Jake's like spitting all over himself. And before I had you can cry tonight to put o- the song we ended up writing to put over that sequence. Um, we would put "I'll be your crying shoulder," and you, you and I used to love that. Yes, uh, I remember you sent me an acapella version of the song then, and I, I even tried that, which was it, cracking me up. Was it like rockapella? Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Carmen San Diego guys. I'll be your crying shoulder. I'll be. <laughs> that, that was... That'd be so fucking ridiculous. <laughs> I wish we could have gotten the rights to it, but you guys wrote a great great song and it's similar <laughs> it's so ridiculous but the whole the whole point of that scene was and and in many ways the, the point of the film was um it wasn't to make you feel something real <laughs> it, it was to yeah. it was to laugh at what so many narrative films do which is they have this kind of by the books three-act structure where there's an all is lost moment two-thirds of the way through uh-huh. And and there's there's sort of a, a sad montage of people walking in the rain and there's all this kind of sadness mm-hmm. and it, it it was not you know it was really only supposed to parody that and um and you ended up lending it credibility and people would later be like oh I'm like super sad for Willie I'm like are you fucking kidding me <laughs> <laughs> like um making people feel real emotions about a ridiculous ridiculous bit of content um i think it just speaks to your talent cool um now this one i want to talk about a lovely lady uh directed by a a close friend of mine and dp of abo the hue monkey doug bergdorf who's doing very well now he's like a vimeo sensation yeah uh talk about working on that movie because that was almost all improv work yeah again there was no clowning on your part at all exactly and i yeah i loved working opposite Daniel and Alyssa, especially in, um, Billy was also terrific in that. There was just a lot of like great acting happening or just great energy. Um, yeah. Being yeah. transferred. Yeah. Um, Doug's, I, Doug's great at just kind of laying the foundation for that to happen. Exactly. And he shoots things beautifully. Yeah. I mean, he, he's got the, like a better eye than almost anybody I've ever met. Yeah. And he edits beautifully. He tells, the story he 
wrote. He did. I mean, he did so much on that film. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it was it was something where it was exercising improv abilities for me, and you know, leaving again. I've, I I left a lot of early stuff more into. I always leave filming feeling insecure about something, and some of those moments that I was insecure about are actually some some of my favorite moments or the moments that satisfy me most with my performance were some that I was very nervous about on set. He actually, he had written the entire movie like with lines. Um, yeah. And then he threw it all out and, um, yeah, said stick to this idea. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think, I think that's a really great way to work. And I think he, it was more than just, um, you know, you, you take something like a Christopher guest movie for instance, or, Curb Your Enthusiasm, where they're like, okay, here's what needs to happen in the scene, yeah. but I want you to do the dialogue. I think, if if I'm not mistaken, correct me, I think he opened it up even more than that. I mean, I think at a certain point, you guys were almost helping tell the story. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I, if that was happening, then <laughs> that's all. I, I was just, I just enjoyed the experience. Yeah, it was cool. How long did you shoot on that? Because you're, you're maybe, you know, you're one of the sort of secondary characters. Um... I have no idea. I feel like maybe like four, five days, four to six days. Yeah, that sounds about right. Sort of spread out, but actually probably I think within three weeks maybe. You know what sucks is that there's no you, – you can't uh, – unless you have a copy that he gave you personally, you can't see that movie. There, It's not available <laughs> anywhere. Oh, that's a bummer. It's he- a – He's one of those guys that uh, uh, he he makes stuff and then he throws it out. It's it's like yeah. it, it's it's been a point of contention between the two of us for a long time. Because I I feel like I've sent him emails saying similar things. Just I mean I I loved working with Doug and I think he's very talented. Yeah. Oh hell he yeah. To, uh, yeah. He's making a he's, he's, he's I mean it's but that's actually like past its point now. Mm. I mean, he's doing if he's doing well it's good to have some things in your history buried a little. Yeah, I guess so. I, I, I'm kind of weird about that. I like to archive everything. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I like to have everything out there because I don't know. I think, I think maybe I, I regard myself as an artist differently than he regards himself, <clears throat> which is I, I, I don't try to, while I want my movies to be special, I, I <laughs> think that people can be more just like a fan of me than a fan of the individual movies. Uh-huh. You know, like now that I'm doing some podcasting and we've done animations, it's it's kind of like a <clears throat> you know, Just my buddy. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the the movies are almost more um conversation starters than anything else. Than than sort of these standalone things. And so I like the idea of being forthcoming and showing them absolutely everything I've seen with all the flaws. Um, you know, maybe suggesting they watch the better stuff, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I won't, uh, I'll answer any question. I won't hide anything from you. And he, he actually really kind of plays up his, and eventually down the line, I've been begging him to do a podcast with me, um, down the line, we're going to do a, a big long one. Um, but, but I think that he plays up his mystery to, to a large extent. I think that that's also the appeal of his movies. Uh, now it's become this thing of like, um, people watch his stuff on Vimeo. Again, his name is Doug Bergdorf. If anybody hasn't heard of him and, um, and <laughs> you watch the stuff and you're like, who the fuck made this? That's that, that is the question that almost every film of his begs. And for a while, this earlier this year, he was uh, directing under an alias called scum sucks. 
<laughs> uh, he didn't even put it. You know, he had he used to have an issue putting his name on things. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> he he just never was comfortable with it, and uh, and then he finally yeah started calling himself something differently, and then he ended up there was this there's this great thing that he put on his Vimeo channel. I'm not sure where it came from, but it looked like it was a documentary. Uh, uh, and it looked it looked like it was for TV or for you know, the history channel or something. It was a documentary about this English actor or this guy who wanted to break into acting. And he was a fan of Doug's stuff. And so he's like, uh, there's this guy on, um, on Vimeo. And I think he's going to end up being, um, being a big deal. <clears throat> and he says that his name is scum sucks. And to, to that, I should call him scum sucks on a set. And like, it's totally, it's this like document of Doug directing this guy. It's absolutely hilarious. Um, but you can tell that Doug like even made his, he kind of invented this fictional directing persona. Yeah. Um, which is just like totally artistic in and of itself. And it's, I just love all that shit that he does. And then I ask him about it. I'm like, that's funny and cool and great. And he's like, I'm embarrassed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) So then you, uh, you play Ethan in uh, homophony, homophony. Oh, that, yeah, that's a, like an NYU undergrad film. Um, Yeah. That was good experience. Like, yeah, I learned things. <laughs> can you be? Can you? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't go into it more than that. I, you know what? There was a lot of resistance between me and the other actor on that set, and we had to do things like an implied sex scene. Really? Um, so it was a good lesson in just trying to set aside like whatever, like personally you didn't get along with the other person Mm. and just come to work, you know, and do the scene. Yeah. Cause otherwise it's not, that was, I think the biggest lesson I learned on that set. Yeah. Just to put all that completely aside. Yeah. Or, and I mean, it can also be used though. There can be tension there. Yeah, for sure. It actually, I'm in those in famous film scenes where people are just electric you hear the stories about the shooting, the shooting of that scene, and they were like something had just happened where they were furious at each other, and then they shot it. You know, yeah, like uh, Kramer versus Kramer with Dustin Hoffman and Meryl Streep, mm-hmm. the scene in the cafe where he throws the wine against the uh, the wall at the end. They were actually pissed. They were pissed. Yeah, and yeah, and, and that was improv. <laughs> and anything with The Shining, really, with Shelley Duvall and all that madness. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, we all do. <laughs> um, scary movies. Oh, I'm getting better at them. I'm getting better at like psychological thrillers and stuff. Oh, do you have a tough time watching them? I used to. Are you, have you ever been in one? No, I've been, I did like, I feel like I've done campier type things. Right. But not truly really horrifying. But I've never done like, I mean, terror is, terrifying to access (laughs) yeah but you've got to yeah i would do it absolutely but (laughs) it would probably be an intense little shooting period though haven't yet yeah yeah yeah. i don't know if many friends would want to be around me at that point (laughs) (laughs) see that's why that's why you're a true actor because if if somebody cast me in one of those i'd be like all right i'll just act like i'm scared (laughs) (laughs) i mean you've got to find balance and else I'm learning is to not take on too many things at once, which is a mistake. Not a mistake, because you should say yes to things early in your acting career. Right. 
but then you do need to get to a point where you start selecting things you're going to do and focusing on them and you have to start turning some things down. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Definitely. And, um, uh, you'll say yes to everything and, and you'll, you, uh, you may not learn a thing. <clears throat> yeah. Um, big society supporting young adult. Yeah. See, that's a lie. That's not something. I okay. Ever... So that's the one. So you've never been a supporting young adult in your life. I'm, I'm that all the time. <laughs> Friends, family. I love, I love it. Cause you, when you click on the movie, like you're just you're you're one of two actors that has a an IMDb picture, so it looks like you're like one of like the most important people they got. <laughs> Twenty eleven is just you're getting credit for shit you never did, and then um uh, I guess technically our release for Sexually Frank was in 2012, but we we screened in 2011. That should really that should really be the date, but whatever. It says 2012 Sexually Frank. How did that? So so uh, let's see. We finished shooting uh, Abo in 2007. And then three years later, we shoot Sexually Frank in t- summer 2010. And with the geographical moves, I wasn't positive that we would ever necessarily work together again. Uh, I remember calling you. Well, no, I, I Facebooked you. We talked a little on there. And then really the only – because it was such a short scoot- shooting schedule, the, the most sort of director-to-actor preparation we did was was a like a long phone conversation, if you remember. Yeah. And we it, like I, I ha- already had developed a trust in you where I was like, you know what? If he sounds like he's saying the right stuff, then I trust that on the day it's going to happen. W- would I prefer more preparation time? Yeah, of course. But that's just yeah, not the reality. I do. We yeah. All, yeah, that's reality. Uh, so how did that compare working on Abo? Was it I mean, was it a wildly different experience? We had different DPs, a different crew. But was it kind of similar? Um, no, I, I, it was very different. It was a very different film. Yeah, it was a different side of you, and a different side of like Nina being involved. Like right. she was heavily involved in sexually frank. Right. And during Abo the Humaki, she was just more like, "Oh, my boyfriend's making a silly movie." Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And she was the she was the all purpose help on that movie, and now she was like a. Yeah, she did everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she was just like I just imagined her like juggling like sandwiches and water bottles for us like in the Boston common. Yeah. She like, did, I mean, she did this. She ended up doing the same on sexually Frank. She just didn't have a little English she, yeah. girl to, she didn't have a little English girl that she had to keep happy. Yeah, exactly. I was the closest thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I remember there were, there were, um, it was really hard for me to tap into some of those moments of kind of tenderness um, that had to sell, that had to work, that all of the cynicism and jokes prior to it are are that that uh, the jokes are the characters with their guards up and um and it's those glimpses into the characters when their guards are down um like the one where you kind of come into the room and you sort of have this this kind of bizarre reunion with John Ryan you know did you fuck that guy yeah don't tell me any more about it i mean that, that, that that's a hard scene to handle and you guys almost just completely did that for me uh, which i was so grateful for cool did you, uh, I mean, I guess in a lot of, cause I, I don't remember having to do a, lo- a whole lot of coaching. Um, it seemed to just, I mean, it must've connected with you on the page in some way. And you're like, I, I think I know what to do with this. Yeah. But also I think I'm very hesitant as an actor or was more hesitant to ask for clarification mm. and to really like discuss a choice. 
yeah, and yeah. see if it was what would read best. Yeah. Is, is, are you kind of waiting for the feedback? Like, you know, you, you expect, well, if he didn't like it, he's going to say something. Yeah. In some ways, I think that's sort of that. Yeah. Cause I think there is a, there is a, a weirdness sometimes, um, between directors and actors. I, I, I try to cultivate an environment where you know that I'm an outspoken person and I'm not going to be overly shy about it. Um, uh-huh. but, uh, there, there is that kind of like, um, the actor fears that the director's not telling them something and the uh-huh. director fears that the actor, um, or, you know, doesn't get it. <laughs> There's a kind of this like silent communication thing happening that needs to be broken down sometimes. And sometimes it can be really hard on, yeah. a, on a low budget shoot where like there, what, you know, can you really interrupt everything you're doing and go have a private conversation? It's going to look really strange to everybody. Yeah. That's why, you know, it would have been nice to have rehearsal before that. Yeah, for sure. And the people that we rehearsed, the 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 people that were local, we did rehearse with, and it yeah. it did make a lot of difference. But no, I mean, you guys ended up nailing it out of the park. Uh, you're it's it's one of the, uh, you know, I get a lot of really good feedback about that. I get a, to be honest with you, I you know like nobody got abo. Um, <laughs> like they were like, what the? F-? They loved you. Other than that, they were like, what the fuck is this movie? My uh, dad liked it. <laughs> I mean, some people like. My dad loved that. Like, like the kinds of guys that like that you met on the street. Those are my bread and butter. Like those kind of like cult movie guys. They they respond to almost everything I do. But sexually, Frank has gotten a lot of really nice feedback. Like people really dig that movie. And when I rewatch it every now and then, I'm like, man, we really like. I, I almost don't really remember making this movie. It was so quick, but it was it really kind of worked. Cool. I think it was. I think it had a lot to do with. Um, you know, the not like uh, the non-actors too. you know, Keith and Nina just being people I've had lifelong relationships with. Yeah. Was that weird? Like, uh, you know, like you and John were like, oh, no, that's, you know, you seem to almost have this attitude of like anybody can act. You know, you just need to feel comfortable. You just need to be in the moment. Um, I imagine some actors might be like self-conscious about it. Like, why am I in a production with people who have never done this before? No, I, th- I think that would be an ego you need to check your ego if you're feeling that way. Yeah, I think so. Um, there, you know, I, I <laughs> one time I got a. I, like, I felt that way before. I've of course like had that thought, but not on that set. Yeah, you, you've you know, yeah. In past moments, I've had thoughts of like, oh, why am I doing it with like someone of this level? Come on. Yeah, but that's more like theater and like improv things when people aren't doing the basic like saying yes or listening. Right. And you can tell they're not doing that. Yeah. Which I do that too. I, I have moments where I check out a little. Sure. Well, so. in, in the case of Keith and Nina, they, they were so, there was, there's kind of a beauty there cause they were so, um, and the, you know, they'll be the first to say this, uh, incompetent in terms of like, what do I do on screen that mm-hmm. they, they could do nothing but be truthful. Like they, the only way that they knew that they were going to be able to deliver a competent performance is if they were, if they tried to just pretend everything that was happening was real. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So if, if they just were like, you know what, I'm playing myself in, awesome. in a real situation where these people are really saying these things to me and I'm really angry about it. And it, 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 definitely in the case of Keith, we would just, we almost, we did a lot of rehearsal, but we didn't rehearse the lines. We improvised the scenes and that's when we found where the feelings were. Yeah. 
and where the beats were and where and where the um the motives shift in the shifted in the dialogue um and we did a lot of a lot of improvising the previous beat and improvising the uh the the beat afterward that helped them a lot yeah a lot of um a lot of i i would think the hurdle with people just being themselves who don't consider themselves to be actors the hurdle i would think would be mainly like physical and allowing them just to move as they would move yes and be truthful and just yeah exist in what's happening and that's with with um with camera setups that can be really hard because you're trying to nail you're trying to nail a, a composition you know a, a frame yeah um, and you, d- you don't get that kind of freedom. So, but there was also, I mean, like the, the cinematographers on that movie were first time as well. Yeah. And they were very competent and knew what they wanted to see. Yeah. And they, they worked well with, they knew that it was a low budget movie. They knew that we would just be doing a few takes and that like the rough around the edges look yeah. was, was, you know, consistent with the rest of the movie. They were shooting on what too, that like tiny little digital yeah. That was back when the the Canon 7D was like, uh, not everybody was Shit. shooting on it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I remember you telling me that we're gonna shoot on this like camera. <laughs> <laughs> well, since, since then, like everybody shoots on the 7D. Yeah. But the back was, back then, it was a big deal. Yeah. Well, that's cool. So now we're moving, we're shifting towards a a new feature. In uh, it looks like maybe we'll shoot in September, October, November. Very cool. Uh, uh, it's definitely starring. Um, again, once again, I was like, I, I, you know, how do I know whether or not I'm going to work with like John Ryan ever again? But the character, the main character, is so him. It's it's the, the best casting of him I could possibly have ever done. The other two yeah. are almost wrong, but this is really his his character. I mean, this is a this is a movie that's really about one individual, and he, he would be in every scene. So um, we're gonna have to figure out a, the scheduling for that. But um, yeah, he should definitely say yes to that i mean if it's that right for him <laughs> yeah it, it really is and he, he call him on martha's vineyard <laughs> well he's in la he's in la now yeah. yeah he's working for ign and um and he's he's excited to do it again i mean he, he i guess he had like a little bit of a uh almost a little bit of a breakup with acting yeah uh, something happened there but he i was like well do you want to do that i say no please um long before i i start doing this and he was like, no, no, no. He's like, he basically said, like, making movies with you is not what I'm talking about. <laughs> I was like, oh, OK. Uh, I, I guess he like for him, he said something one time that was really nice to me about like um, making these Frankie movies. It, it, it's a nice balance between fun and actual productivity. Yeah. That he that he responded well to because uh, he said he's like, there have been times where I've had a, lo- a whole lot of fucking fun, but we didn't make anything. Yeah. And, and then there were times where it fucking sucked. But I guess we ended up making a movie, you know. Uh-huh. So that was nice. I was like, well, I'll take that. He's good. That's that's John Ryan's way of putting things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what's coming up next? What are you doing right now? Uh, right now, I've got the revival of Gross Indecency. Um, I just wrapped a film, my first film, actually, I think since, uh, sexually Frank and it was just a two day shoot, a short film. Um, but yeah, that, that's what's going on. Do you, do you have a preference, uh, film acting versus, uh, stage acting? Put me in anything. (laughs) (laughs) Really? No, it's all about just 
what I was saying earlier, taking on what feels right and what, you know, sparks your interest and your creativity. But they both have completely different paces. I mean, you have to, in a stage situation, you have to prep for two, three months to do it from beginning to end. You can make that character arc in the same night. You know, you can do do that full character work in the in the course of of uh, one night, as opposed to like you know this fractured stop and go process the film is. But you can go much but smaller. I was actually just talking about this with the actress on set for the short film I wrapped, and we were just sort of discussing that there there is no like difference really between film and theater, other than the technical medium Mm -hmm. because you're still just it's just adjusting to your audience how big the room you're filling how big the theater is that you're filling like that's a that's the size of a story right and how close the camera can get is another size of the story but it's still the audience and it's still a person thinking feeling speaking breathing all at the same time are you playing off the audience in a stage situation I would say that you can't help but play off of them. Yeah. Well, cause that, 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 that's a problem people have in film too, is they're like, I don't, I don't have any immediate feedback. So I, I've, I've been told it's important that the, that the director kind of be the consistent audience. Like they have to be the audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, I try to be that. I try well, to interrupt the I occasional mean, take. It's, and I'm still, I'm still learning a ton about filmmaking specifically. And I would say part of, or an idea I've had recently is that, you know, the camera as your audience and as even just sometimes it's your best friend in the world and it's there and it's like seeing what's happening to you and you're like relaying like your disbelief to it. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes it's a, it's like your spirit looking back on what happens to, you know, your relationship. Mm-hmm just this sort of floating presence that's capturing and replaying for you what happened. Um, it can, the camera can be so many different things. You just need to under, understand what it is. So that's you being aware of the camera. I mean, it's, I, I feel like yeah. some, some people might think like, oh, I got to ignore that it's there as opposed to you. Which I've done before. I think I started out more ignoring that it was there and just ignoring a lot that it was happening and just trying to like get through things. But I think settling and getting that comfort level and the awareness, like opening your awareness like that is the most essential part of giving a great performance. One thing I've always, I've always really admired about you was um, the, you know, I'm tempted when I'm making these movies to be like, uh, basically to to intrude on people's lives as little as possible. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, when you're, when you're making a really low budget movie, all that matters is what's in the frame. Um, and so you're just trying to almost, you know, to a certain extent, pop off shots. Um, okay. I got what I need to edit that. Okay. I got what I need to edit that, you know, at a certain point, like you're, that's really, that's really the truth. Um, and so I'm like, you know, I only need you for two days and then I'll leave you alone. You know? mm-hmm. and, but you, you're always like, well, I'd really love to see all the iterations of the cut. And I'd like to see see it at this stage. And I'd like to see it at this stage. Like you really like to um, learn about not just acting, but filmmaking. Yeah. And, I, and you like to be like a, a like a part of it. I do, because I'm still learning so, so, so much about mm-hmm. 
filmmaking and I feel like in theater I can sort of take a step back more from like everything that's going on and like needing to know every everything. Yeah. But um with film, yeah, I'm still very interested in knowing how the entire world operates so I can exist appropriately within that, like fill the size of what that is. Yeah. I mean, cause you could really even, you could get into the minutiae of like what specific lensing does for your look. Yeah. And that, yeah, the actress on set was very aware of um, some of those technical things and she's also an editor and a videographer. So yeah, that was very, I mean, it was great to be around. You've always um, been a little scared of computers, but is there a <laughs> – is, is there a uh, – <clears throat> You have no idea of the full um, gravity of that statement because my little brother knows <laughs> that I'm like afraid of ski lifts. <laughs> I think they're going to like chop my legs off and robots are going to take the world over. But <laughs> Is there a um, – maybe a, a Ben-directed movie in your future? Absolutely. I've always – I've always wanted to take some sort of um, ownership for my own creative ideas and make them happen. I don't, I think I could code, I could start with co-directing and like producing more a creative idea of my own than like taking absolute like direction of it. Yeah. Cause I, I like, I like working collaboratively. Something that might be really wise for you to do is, um, yeah, produce it. So in other words, like get the locations together, kind of bring everyone together, um, make all make it happen. Um, let somebody else kind of run the shoot um, that, that, that you can kind of be a co-pilot to. A DP that I trust. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. And, and then a bunch of ideas for people I'd love to work with. Um, it's just about getting the project started in that respect because that is a goal of mine. I want to mm-hmm. I've always been more than just like an actor. And then my my final suggestion would be uh, edit it. Be be the sole editor, at least at least on the first cut, um, because you will never learn more about what you did on that day than when you're living with the results of it. Yeah. Um, and you have to make something work out of it. Uh, and you you already have a an eye for a lot of that stuff. I remember. I mean, like when when we wrap shooting on specific scenes, you would always remember. Even months later, you're like, oh yeah, I know technically what was wrong with that like there was the we were trying to get things done during the pride parade uh in sexually frank and you knew that like you were like oh we only got two takes of that and i know i turned my head at one point and like you know if you just adjusted the edit and i was like oh yeah you know what you're doing here yeah because you've not i mean people's toes but i'm learning and i hope you know oh you'll never i liked working with you because you're yeah but there's directors out there that would be like shut the fuck up and just act. <laughs> no, you'll never step on my toes. I, I, um, it, it, it's crazy to, uh, to dismiss good ideas. Um, I mean, isn't that really all we're doing? Like when we're showing rough cuts and we're, uh, sending the script around for notes, like, aren't we, aren't we always seeking notes and seek, especially something like that, where it's like, dude, cut 10 frames earlier and you could really clear that up. It's like, oh yeah, that's totally true. Look how nice that goes back to when we were talking about being a kid and looking for feedback on your yeah. creative ideas. And yeah, yeah. All, it's all evolution of that, that type of a person. <laughs> well, let me know if you, um, you know, if, if you end up uh, wanting to shoot something, cause I'd like to help you make that a reality. You heard it here f- first folks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, putting, I'm putting it on wax. Um, Put it- 
I'll pencil it in. But uh, so so like th- this pretty much wraps it up. This was nice. This is exactly what I was looking for. Terrific. Uh, so so it's. Do you have a show coming up that anybody we should recommend people go to? Uh, yes, listeners. If you're uh, in New York City, May 30th to June 16th, um, a, a more serious Ben Fisher, less uh, Abo the Hue Monkey Ben Fisher, yeah, will be um, appearing in Gross Indecency, the Three Trials of Oscar Wilde. Um, as part of Gay Fest NYC at the Abingdon. There it is. Boom. Go see it. Is it expensive? Um, no. Is it twenty five ish bucks? Twenty five bucks, folks. Come on now. Twenty five. It's not with inflation. That's not that much. This is the first New York revival of this play since it debuted off Broadway in nineteen ninety seven. Oh, really? Yes, yeah, the first New York happening of it again wow that's really impressive actually that you got to be a part of that yeah it's all it's a completely new idea for staging the action or giving like action to the story it's a very physical young uh interpretation go check it out uh facebook this guy ask him questions he's an awesome resource and fucking cast him for god's sakes because like you can't do any better than casting ben fisher that's that's my personal advice (laughs) so um thank you ben and we'll we'll talk soon i'd love to try to squeeze you into the next movie in some capacity as john ryan's fluffer (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's not going to be on screen i'm sorry but um as long as i'm credited put put it above that fake credit on my uh, imdb (laughs) This will be all too real, this credit. Um, but thanks again, and we'll talk soon. And, and good luck with the show. It sounds really awesome, actually. All righty. Shortly after I got off the phone with Ben, he called me, and he left this voicemail. And I thought it would be fun to include that. That was so fun. Um, that was like my first Skype interview, and I'm glad it got to be with you. Um, and... Yeah, the light... <laughs> The last time I was interviewed for anything, it was, like, my kid's show, and this, like, newspaper reporter in Vancouver tried to, like, I was, like, supposed to be, like, in character for the show and, like, you know, get kids to come watch it. And he's, like, he was, like, this is really just, like, a stepping stone for fame for you all, though, right? And I was, like, no, that's not how we think of it. (laughs) It was so bizarre. Um, Anyway, good interview. I hope uh, there's some things you can use out of it for your um, for the podcast. Let me know when it's up, and um, I'm gonna I'm gonna tweet something cool about us talking over Skype. You know, give us both a little attention. <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you later. Bye.